Great worship this morning, haven't we? So thankful to Pastor Phil and his team, and man, they just do a great job. And I want to say to you, thanks for coming. Thanks for our time of worship. We're so excited about for our teachers as they begin a brand new school year, and I just believe in that God's got some incredible and great things for you. So God bless you, um, and we'll be praying for you, okay? I also want to welcome those who are watching online. Thanks for joining us. Literally, we have people all over the world who are watching that wish they could be here, but they can't. And so we're just glad that they're here. So let's give them a, a welcome too, okay? We're so glad they're here. I also want to just say that if you're a guest here today and you haven't found a church home, I just want to encourage you that if you're looking, just go out to our guest services there. We've got some information. It'll tell you a little bit about the church. If you have questions, we'll be glad to answer those questions. But if you don't have a home church, we'd love for you to pray about making Central Community your home church. We'd love to add you to the family. Well, we're in a series right now that we just started last week called The Armor of God. And what we're talking about is we're talking about the spiritual battle that we fight not just each and every day, but we're talking about the spiritual battle when all hell breaks loose in your life. How many of you this past week have had all hell break loose in your life? Anybody? And this can come in all different kinds of ways. Maybe it's through a health issue. Maybe it's through a marriage issue. Maybe it's you've been diagnosed with something you never in your wildest dreams thought you'd be dealing with. Maybe it's just a, maybe it's part of the job. I don't care what it is, but this is the time when Satan turns his focus to you. And now there's a target on your back, and you know what? It feels like all hell has broken out. And you know what? Jesus comes to us during those times, and you know what he tells us? He says, you know what? I don't want you as my child just to survive these. I want you to thrive in these times. And it begins by understanding this. In Christ we win. We know how that ends. Now, I remember when, when we, Lori and I moved to, to Lake Wales, one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to figure out a way that I could get involved in the community. And so I went to a, a conference, and one of these guys was talking about one of the things that he did is he went to the police department, and he got involved as a chaplain. I thought, that's it. That's what I'll do. So I went down to the police department, and I said to him, I said, hey, my name is Bob Beckler. I'm the pastor down at South Lake Wales Church of God. And I just want to get involved in the community. I'd love to offer my services, and I'd love to be a chaplain. Do you need a chaplain? Oh, we'd love to have you as a chaplain. So the guy told me, he said, come back next Thursday, and we're going to have a training night. So I'm thinking, okay. So I came for the training, and basically what they did is they taught us how to operate the radio if we needed to. They taught us about, you know, they took the background check and all that kind of stuff. Um, they taught us how to drive the cars, because even though we were volunteering, technically we were an employee of the city. They taught us about how to use the shotgun, how to, how to know where the button is to release it. And then they gave us a badge. Now, this is the real deal. And it said, it said South Lake Wales, and then, or excuse me, it says Lake Wales, and then it said police, and then it said chaplain. So one of the things they made us promise is this. You can't use this badge to pull anybody over. Okay? And I promised I wouldn't, and I did it. All right. So when that was all done, they said, there's one more thing that we need to do. We need to measure you for a piece of equipment. And so I'm thinking, I mean, all guys, they say everybody does this. I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a big gun I'm going to be wearing. Nope, had nothing to do with a gun. But what they did is they measured me, and then they said, okay, before you go out on your ride-alongs, okay, 
you have to wait till your, this piece of equipment comes in. You know what the piece of equipment was? It was a bulletproof vest, okay? So, got my vest, and I remember the first time that I went out, I went on a ride along. And basically what I did is I just rode with the police officers for three or four hours, or if it was, a, it was, a, if it was an exciting night, it was longer. And basically I just sat in the car with them and just talked to them and learned, I got to know them, that kind of stuff. I remember the very first car that I got into, it was with one of the sergeants, and he was kind of a gruff guy. And I grabbed my, I grabbed my, my, my bulletproof practice, I opened the back door, and I just kind of threw it in, and then I got in the front door, and I, in the front seat, and I sat down. And he looked at me like there was something wrong with me. And I go, what? And he goes, that's not going to do you any good in the back seat. Oh, you mean I have to wear that? Yes, all the time. And then I'll, ne- then I'll never forget, because he told me something that, that I will never forget. And he told me this. He said, you know what? He said, you can have something, and if you don't use it, it won't benefit from you, benefit you. And I started thinking about that. That's exactly what God is telling us in his word. I've given you something that's going to help you be successful in life. But if you don't use it, that's not my fault. I've given you what you need. And so that's where we're going today. Would you stand with me out of respect for God's word? As I read once again from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, and my prayer is is that you would just, this would be so much a part of you that you would begin to memorize it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is God's Word for God's people. Let's pray. Father, today I claim victory over Satan by putting on the whole armor of God which you have given to me. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. By faith I am now prepared to live this day in spiritual victory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to review a little bit about some of the things that we talked about last week because today my whole purpose is is that I want you now to have the tools that you can start implementing this in your life. Remember, Paul is writing a letter to the church at Ephesus and he's in prison. He's writing this letter to encourage them. This is a good letter. Remember some of the things that Paul said? The very first thing he says to the church and he says to us is this. He says, number one, you better stand firm. In other words, the Roman soldiers in those days, they had shoes and they had nails for their, for their spikes. 
and they would stick and they would plant these, and those, that would help them to stand firm. And remember, we talked about last week is that the key to victory is you have to have sure-footedness. I don't care what you're doing. If you're slip-sliding around, you will fall. So Paul says, stand firm. Remember, guys, I told you last week, this is also a call to battle. This is a call to lead. This is not a time to be passive. This is not a time to lay down. This is a time to stand in the gap for our families, for our marriages, and for our kids and our friends' children. But then in addition to that, then he tells us, put on, not once, but three different times, he says, put on the full armor of God. Why would he tell us to put it on? Because most of the time we don't. And what happens is Satan comes and he launches his attack at people, and what happens? They're defeated. Why? Because there's the battle. There's the armor that God has given us to put on that we haven't put on. And then the last thing I want to remind you of is this, is do you remember Paul used a certain kind of language? Remember what he called this? He called it the spiritual realm, the spiritual places. Remember what he said happens there? He said, our blessings are there. He said, Jesus is seated there. He says, you and I are seated with him there. He says that the angels operate from there. And here's the kicker. This is the thing you need to pay attention to. He says, and all Satan and his demons operate from there. So Paul begins by telling us, listen, It's not just that you have the armor of God that matters. It matters the way you put it on, what you put on first. I want you to think about this for a second. If it's the middle of winter and I get out of bed, the very first thing I'm going to put on is not my winter coat, right? I mean, that would look pretty ridiculous, right? And Paul is telling us there's equipment, there's armor that you need to put on, but you understand this, it's got to be done in the order in which it's given. All right. One last thing. I want to suggest to you people that in this spiritual battle, these weapons that Paul gives us are all that we need. You don't need to add anything. You certainly don't want to take everything, anything away, but this is what you need to win the battle, okay? Now, if you remember correctly, this is what Paul tells us. He says, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The belt is what holds everything together, right? It's around the core of the body. If you look at people who go into gyms and they're training, you know what they tell athletes? You've got to have a strong core. You know why? Because everything comes from there. The sword of the Spirit hangs on the belt. The tunic is tucked into the belt. The belt is everything that you need to be successful. Now, why the belt? Why does the Bible tell us that truth is what Satan goes after? Remember what truth is? It's God's view on any subject. That's the first thing that you've got to come to believe. Truth is God's view on anything. Not what the world says, not CNN, and not even Fox News. It's what God says truth is. And here's the second thing. Why truth? Because truth is what God uses to identify Satan's lies. And truth dispels Satan's lies. It destroys them. That's what we're talking about. All right, now, this past month, Pastor Justin did an incredible job teaching about our identity. And I want to just talk about that for a little bit, okay? Do you understand what Satan's ultimate plan is in the world for all of us? Here's what it is. 
to strip you of your identity. That's his number one goal. Why? If he can strip you of your identity, you know what? He can ruin your relationship with God, and he can destroy your life. That's why Satan's going after our kids. Now, I'm just going to be really honest with you, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm a little older than a lot of you, okay? If you would have told me when I started teaching in my 20s that there would be people who would tell me, you can't use the word boy, you can't use the word girl, because that's offensive to people, I would have looked at them and said, say what? But do you understand what's happening before our very eyes? This is Satan's plan to strip our children of their identity. Why? Because when he strips our kids of who they are, you know what happens? He now can ruin their life, and their life will be turned upside down. So the question is, is once again, so there are two things that we need to understand about our identity. This is what we all need to believe. Here's the first thing. Number one, our identity is based on who God really is. Can I have an amen? amen. Here's what I want you to understand. The very first word, words in the Bible, in the beginning, what? God. You know what that phrase means? It means that God has always been. It means that he's the creator. It means that he is all-powerful, that he is sovereign. In the beginning, God. Before there was time, there was God. After everybody's wiped out, there will always be God. And here's the second thing you need to understand. It's not just who God really is. It's also who God says, I am. How many of you have ever been called a name before? How many of you have ever been told by the world what you are? Can I tell you, that doesn't matter. There's only one thing that matters, who God is and what he says about you. All right, now, let's go back to the Bible. In the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, and I want you to listen very carefully to what God says. You ready? Here we go. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. What does this tell us about who you and I are? It says that you and I were created in the image of God. Every life, every beat of your heart, every life that has ever been or ever will be, even those that never made it out of the womb, they all are image bearers of God. Now, it doesn't mean we look like him. What it means is this, that we have his characters. We carry his characteristics. What are his characteristics? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithful, gentleness, and it goes on and on. That's why the way you act, people can say, man, you look like your father. That's what we want, right? All right, now, with that in mind... Let's go back to the garden, and let's go back to how Satan began to attack our identity, okay? Here it is. This is a conversation between Satan and Eve. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's what I want you to understand. Satan will always take the truth in any way he can twist it, alter it, change it, 
He will do that because then he has you. What was Satan doing here? He was attacking identity. Why? What did he say? He says, you will be like God, right? Why would Satan say that? You see, he wanted Adam and Eve to believe that God was keeping something from you. What's the right answer? You will be like God. They already were like God, right? The Bible tells us we were created in his image. It's not the truth that will set you free. It's the truth you know that will set you free. God had just got done saying. He created us in his image. That makes you valuable in his sight. All right, now, if you think that's bad, Satan even had the gall to go after Jesus himself and attack his identity. Take a look at this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Do you see the lie? What did the devil say to Jesus? If you are the son of God. What? That's what the devil said to Jesus. And if he said that to Jesus, guess you what? He's going to say the same thing to you. Well, let's go back. What did God say to Jesus? Well, that's what the Bible says. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Now listen to this. Before one sermon was preached, before one miracle was performed, and even before one demon was cast out, Jesus, God said to Jesus, you are my boy. And you know what? With you, I am well pleased. Here's what you need to understand about the importance of that in your life. You know what God says about you? He says, you are his son. You are his daughter. And with you, he is well pleased. I didn't say that about you. God did. So when you look in the mirror, when you get up, you need to look in the mirror and say, you know what? God kind of likes me. In fact, he thinks I'm pretty awesome. How did you say it, Pastor Justin? Yes, a masterpiece, right? Okay, but that's, what, that's how God looks at you. That's how he identifies with you. All right, now, I want to go to this next part, and this is where you come in. Because you know what? Those are great examples, are they not, about how our identity is attacked. But what I want to know is I want to know the boots on the ground stuff. I want to know, so what is it that I'm supposed to do that I can take from this and I can learn? And here's what I want you to do. What did Jesus do when Satan accused him and attacked his identity? What did he do? He used God's word, didn't he? He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that flows from the mouth of God, right? Now, let me ask you something. Why did Jesus speak truth? Here's why. When you speak God's word to Satan, it's a battle he can't win, so he hightails it out of there. And what does the Bible say? After Jesus used those scripture verses to him, three of them, the Bible says Satan left him for another time. My dear friends in Christ, 
You want Satan to start running when he comes after you? You know what you need to do? You need to start spewing out words of truth from God's word, and you watch him hightail. That's what Jesus wants you to do. All right, now, there are two things that I want you to know about what happened at the cross, okay? Two things. Number one, here's the first one. At the cross, Jesus, the Bible says, became sin for us. Everybody agree? This means yes. But not only did he become sin for us, but God heaped all the sin of mankind. Those who lived, those who were living, and those who would ever live. If there was anyone on the face of this earth that had committed sin, it was all put on Jesus' shoulders. And when Jesus died, that sin was paid for. I think Jesus said, it is finished, right? The debt of your sin was wiped away. And what does the Bible say about that sin? As far as the east is from the west, I remember your sin no more. The sin is gone. But that's not the only thing that happened. You see, not only is your sin forgiven, but at that moment when you become a follower, when you place your faith in Jesus, not only did you get your sins forgiven, but Jesus gave you his righteousness. Look at what the Bible says here. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. What does that mean? This is what we call your position of faith, okay? Or your position of righteousness, I mean, okay? So now, whenever God looks at you, he does not see your sin. You know why? Because he sees the robe of righteousness because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's your position in Christ. But it doesn't stop there. Let's go on. The second piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. Look at what the Bible says here. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. All right, now, if I were to put this on, you know what the purpose of this was? To protect my vital organs. And you know what? That's exactly the purpose of the breastplate of righteousness. It protects your vital organs, specifically your heart. What does the proverb say? And whatever you do above all things, guard your heart, because it's from the heart that things come, both good and evil. So we have to guard that heart. So this is a spiritual thing we do. Spiritually, we put on the belt of truth. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever heard the voice of Satan speak lies or speak words into your life? Anybody have that happen before? So for example, here's what I want you to know. Today, when I leave, what's going to happen is Satan's going to come visit me. Happens every Sunday. He's going to tell me that I'm worthless. He's going to tell me that I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. He's going to be telling, you know what, if people knew who you really were, I mean, he's going to tell me all these different things. Can everybody else relate to that? All right, now here's what I want you to just to think about this. Have you noticed that whenever Satan attacks you, he always attacks in a second person form? Here's what I mean. Look at this. 
you are worthless. Anybody hear that before? I just wrote down the things that I hear, and this is just the scraping the bottom. You are a failure. You got what you deserved. You will never change. You are hopeless. You are disgusting. You are not a real Christian. You know what? God's punishing you. If people knew what you were really like, they would all hate you. You know what? You are going to hell. You should kill yourself. Anybody relate to those? Do you hear those? I do, and that's just the beginning of it. So my question for you is this. When you hear voices in your life, what do you do? There's two things you have to do. Number one, you have to decide, okay, is this God's voice or is this the voice of the devil? You know what I hear a lot of people say to me is, Pastor Bob, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I'm not sure I always recognize the difference between the voice of God and the devil. And I want you to hear this from me. Sometimes I get confused too. I'm just being honest. Sometimes I get fused. But you know what? There's a remedy that God has given us to help us with this. And you know what it is? We just simply take whatever is saying and we compare it to the Word of God. You see, that's what it means when it talks about putting on the belt of truth. Satan tells me I'm worthless. Is that true? Is that God saying that? Well, not according to his word. God thinks I'm pretty awesome. All of the things that you hear Satan say to you, you match against God's word, and then you allow God's word to fight the battle for you. And I promise you this, that as he fights that battle for you, you know what? He will cause Satan to run because Satan cannot stand up against the truth of God's word. All right, now, I'm going to bring this to a close, okay? But here's what you need to understand. Being in the position of having Christ's righteousness is not enough. There's more. You see, the Bible tells us that not only do we receive this righteousness, but the Bible tells us God wants us to walk in this righteousness. In other words, here's what he's saying. Not only do you have the righteousness of Christ, but because you have the righteousness of Christ, God wants to see you live that out in your life. That's what he's looking for. Think about this. I heard this saying, if, if, we, are, if, 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 he, if we are righteous in God up there, then he should be righteous in us down here. Amen? All right, now I want to show you something that will blow your socks off, okay? This is a story that happens in the New Testament, okay? Pentecost has already happened. Jesus has returned to his Father. Now watch this story. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer in three in the afternoon. Everybody know this story? Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at 
us. All right, now I want to I tell you something that you probably don't know. That phrase, look at us, in the Greek means look into us. I want you to think about that for a moment. So what Peter was saying to me, he wasn't saying look at us, he was saying look into us. What did he mean by that? Here's what he meant. He says when you walk in righteousness, you walk according to what God's plan is, and you know what God's plan is because you know truth. If I know truth, I know what it is I'm supposed to do. Now I just have to make the decision to do it. And when you are walking in the righteousness of God, there's a boldness and a confidence that comes in you that leads people to the kingdom of heaven. It moves heaven on earth. But if you're on the sideline and you're dealing with addictions and you're dealing with all of this stuff, you've got to focus on that. But the Lord shows us that in when we put on that belt of righteousness, we get a confidence like nothing we've ever seen before. James Kennedy was a man who started an evangelism explosion many, 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 many years ago. And what he did is before he started this explosion, he sent out a questionnaire. You know what he wanted to know? He wanted to know why is it that Christians don't tell other people about their faith in Jesus Christ. And he knew, he said, I know that when it comes back, we're going to have things like fear. I don't know, I'll have all the right answers, but none of those were in the top five. You know what the number one answer was apart from everyone else? It was this, my lifestyle. In other words, because of the way I'm living my life, I don't feel like I'm worthy to tell others about who Jesus is. History tells us that the Roman soldiers would wear this breastplate and would go from the neck all the way down to the thigh. And they used a precious metal. And there were gaps sometimes that were overlapped. And here's what they found. The more the soldiers wore the breastplate of righteousness, the shinier it got. You know what they found out? that when the metal rubbed against the leather and other parts of the leather, leather, it began to shine. So guess what they did? They took all of the breastplates and they shined them so that you could see yourself in the chest of, of these Roman soldiers. You know why they did that? So that when they were fighting in battle and they stood shoulder to shoulder, they always stood in a place where the sun reflected off their breastplate of righteousness and it blinded the enemy. That's what righteousness does to, this, to, to the devil. When you know truth and you are living according to God's word, you give off such a bright light. In fact, doesn't even the Bible talk about it? Let your light so shine before men that they may what? See your good works, your good deeds, your righteous living. That's what God has called us to do. And so what I want you to remember now is that as you go out into this battle, you gotta have that belt of truth. Everything starts with the belt of truth. You have to know what truth is. And there's only one place you can find truth, and it's in the Word of God. And then the second thing is you've got to put on that breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because that righteous living gives you a boldness and a courage to go out and to share the good news of what Christ is all about. Look at what the Bible says here in 1 John. 
This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and their sister. Do you remember what Jesus told his disciples? He said this, this is how the world will know that you are disciples, by how you, what? Love one another. Maybe the first thing that we need to do is just simply fall more in love with Jesus. And we need to ask Jesus to take over every room of our heart so that our breastplate will shine so bright from the actions that we live out each and every day that it will blind the enemy and it will draw people to Christ. I want to close with this. There was a teacher who was teaching a student. He said to me, he said, he took him to the edge of the woods and he said, okay, there's a path in the woods and I want you to walk backwards, okay? The student got three steps and he fell flat on his backside. The teacher helped him up and he said, pretty hard to do, isn't it? And the student said, yeah, he said, it's impossible. And the teacher said, here's why, here's the lesson to learn. You always walk where you are looking. You always walk where you are looking. So my question for you this morning is, where are you looking? The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. If you keep looking at Jesus, that's where you're going to walk. But if you're focused on all of the things that the world has, it's just a distraction. Think about this. Have you ever watched the news and you left and you said, wow, that really made me feel good, right? It just brings you down. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus and you fall more in love with him, that's when lives are changed.